Hello, Internet! This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to another special edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our diversion into Hearthstone yesterday. Uh, it's one of the things that we're looking forward to doing a lot more over the course of the next year, is just covering more different esports. But don't worry... League of Legends is something we will continue to cover. It's the lifeblood that brought us together. And of course, when I say us, I am referring to my good friend and co-host, Walter Cietis Fetchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? What's up? Doing pretty good. Yeah. It was, uh, it's interesting having my brother on the show to talk about Hearthstone, because that's like, whenever I talk to him, he's usually talking about uh, Magic the Gathering, some like crazy thing that he's concocted in his head that I don't know anything about because I haven't played Magic in like five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really cool. Like He had some really good insight, and uh, I'm glad there was someone to supplement your immense knowledge of the game since I don't have that immense knowledge of the game. Your old school, look, I draft... I- crafted Leroy so therefore I can win some zoo games deck. Yeah, exactly. If you have uh, any interest in Hearthstone at all I highly recommend it. It's one of the few podcasts that I've gone back to and listened to while editing and thought to myself, you know what? I don't mind the sound of my voice here. Like I don't, I'm not mad at myself for getting 20 names wrong as we're going forward. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. But we are here to talk about League of Legends. We're going back to our core Back to the back to basics. Back to See? basics, and and back to Oakland. We so gotta mid, start baby. there. Oh wait, I don't want no no. Yeah, I was I'm gonna wearing s- a team TSM shirt. I don't want to talk about Oakland. Uh, I don't think most people want to talk about happen. Oakland. Um, I, I mean, the, look, we could go into each of these games. I I have a hard time getting invested when we talk about you know, either of the IEM events that are that are going to be within <sighs> this calendar year because. This was on 6.23, and nothing that happened here is going to have any real effect on what happens moving forward. Because as yeah. the preseason goes on and, you know, things will get fixed, and by the time Season 7 rolls around, none of this will be relevant. But outside of the fact that we're playing on an entirely different patch and everything else, is there anything important we can gleam from this? Is there anything we should really take away from this tournament as real substantial knowledge as we head into the next split no (laughs) not not a damn thing a collegiate league is a waste of time i mean i i don't know like all of a sudden there's this weird weird collegiate league match where literally they were talking about the ezreal on one team being platinum two with such frequency i thought for a second that it was kerp and they just mixed up trackball with platinum too. Like it was literally every other phrase was like, "Oh, I can't believe they're playing so." This this Ezreal is only platinum too. Like, dude, we get it. And it just it just kind of shows to me the complete and other difference between collegiate esports and collegiate sports. Because yeah. in collegiate sports, you actually need to be like the equivalent of, like, a diamond one player. Like, we talk about top 500 basketball players in the country. Right. And I don't know about you, but my high school basketball team had 12 players on it. And almost every single small town in America has a basketball team. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at it and you look at, like, major cities, they have, like, 
four or five high schools. So that's like four or five more. You get what I'm saying? There's a lot of kids that was, play basketball at high school. That's I, I, like, I think cities have more than four high schools. I no. think the city of Atlanta might have more than four high schools well, within it. Some, I'm saying small cities. I just want to – if every city, if every major U.S. city only had four high schools, right? that's still probably like – I don't know how many major U.S. cities are there. A thousand. There, so there's like four thousand high schools with ten to twelve kids on their team. Like that's the equivalent of playing solo queue. And then when you get to college, you should literally be in challenger to play on a college team. So he played great. Um, you know, collegiate lol is just so different from like real sports. Out of curiosity, Walter, how many high schools do you think there actually are in the United States as of? <laughs> The, the latest toll was uh, in 2014. How many do you think there are? Because uh, you just you just gave out a number of a thousand. It's well, hard. I said a thousand. A, a thousand. Plus you think four a thousand? Yeah, I'm totally underselling it. It's probably something like fifty thousand. It's it is thirty-seven thousand. Thirty-seven. So now so, times that by twelve. By twelve. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I, I said by ten. So you're talking about thirty. Uh, the the overall thousand basketball. Yeah, exactly. The overall <laughs> point so stands. And, and let's also make something very clear here. Um, in IEM's defense, uh, of course they had to keep repeating the fact that he was in Plat Two. With all the breaks, they had no idea when people had come in and out, and people probably forgot with the hour long delays. Are, are, no, is, was I, anyone surprised that IEM had tech issues? It, really? It's, it's just one of those things where it, it makes me mad as a League of Legends fan because I've watched plenty of IEM events that don't have to do with League of Legends, and they don't have these kinds of delays. They might have a, a little bit of a delay, but never to the extent that League of Legends does. And it's just become very clear over time that they're not sending their best. You know, They're not sending their high-quality... <laughs> Uh, camera guys, they're not sending their greatest Calm sound down, engineers. Trump. Calm down they're, here. Okay? They're sending the B team. They're sending the B team or the C team or whatever else it is. And look, I understand they're working hard. I'm sure they're doing their best, but it's not this hard to run an event. And I know it's not this hard because I've seen you as a company do it. I am. I and that's and it's. I've seen Riot run so many events, and it's when I have things like this where every time. Anyone even starts bringing up, oh, but what if we went back to season two? No, shut up. You're wrong. That's what we would get. We would get a lot more tournaments like that and very few events that run half as smoothly as Riot's LCS league system does. It's just, it just is what it is. There just aren't enough people that are going to be able to to bring the production quality that tournaments like this should need. And this tournament was a travesty. It was a travesty just how bad a lot of these tech issues are. I just, and, I just have one point to make. In sure. Dota, in Dota, there's a tournament that's literally casted outside of, out, like, in someone's house. So I just want to say, yeah. it is possible to accomplish excellent production value uh, across multiple events in a year with separate organizations doing it. It was just that Riot killed anyone's desire to do so when they made the LCS basically exclusive by monopolizing three quarters of the year. And I'm just going to, you see where I'm going here? I, I, see, not, I see where you're going. Yeah. But it's not, the it's average not season five's fault that we don't have companies that can, you know, professionally produce a League of Legends content event. It's, it's this little company, this tiny little startup company. 
that's known as Riot Games, and they're so sure. small. Okay, like in, so like Intel is such a small game. company that they couldn't come up with a team to run this tournament because Dance Intel. They could have given a crap and they didn't. And let's just be, let's call it for what it is. Like that's, this is a company that is well known for running events and they couldn't do it. There aren't, they're just, we are seeing more and more that people are pumping into really major events and making sure those major events go smoothly. And anything that isn't a premier event or a grand, you know, the highest of major events, it's just not there. And, you know, CSGO has people that are really dedicated to it. There are a lot of great, you know, the Face It guys do great work. Uh, OGN does great work no matter what it is they're doing. So I'm not saying that these guys don't exist or that maybe Riot hasn't alienated them a bit. But we can also say that Riot has done one thing really, really well when it comes to production. That's that there are almost never delays, even in the LCS there are very few delays that happen throughout the entire regular season, throughout the playoffs, throughout Worlds. It's almost unprecedented to the point when when we have a tournament like this, it is a huge issue. See, Whereas when I, I was remember. at E-League and following Counter-Strike and all this stuff, delays are pretty commonplace. Not to the extent we saw in IEM, but they like are a thing. The International had a lot of delays. I People remember, like, remember what, that. like an 18-hour delay during a world championship or something? Like, I, I don't, I don't remember who ran that event. Like, there was, there was an event, a League of Legends event, where there was like an 18-hour delay, and it was rampant with like screen looking or something. I yeah, can't remember okay. what organization Man, ran that if, event. If only there have been several years since that happened, and that was a relevant thing to talk about. <laughs> like, we, we could go back and forth for forever. I do it for the memes, man. At, at the end of the day, uh, I am. Um, the event doesn't mean anything. The next one's not going to mean anything. Uh, Gyeonggi, I think is how you pronounce that. I am Gyeonggi. going to get it. Gyeonggi. I'm going to get it wrong every time and probably in a different way. So you're just going to have to accept that. Um, Dude, we get J-Team. We get J-Team and Kong New Monsters on the international stage, dude. Come on. It's going to be fantastic. We get Edward returning to an IEM for the first time since like 2014. Those of you who are listening <laughs> over audio, <laughs> I, I just, there's no way I could put my face deep enough in my hands to cover the shame that I feel <laughs> that we're going to watch J-Team in an international event. I, I mean, look, Flash Wolves already blew it. J-Team, I don't even have hope. Like This is when Taiwan proves they have a third team, right? Ah. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens after <laughs> rosters are done. I hate this. I hate everything about it. I hate the fact that Europe and North America regard it with such low esteem that even teams with fully guaranteed rosters that are probably boot camping in Korea don't want to participate in the event. That is insane. That is how minuscule, how unimportant IEM is. And I don't want to pay it any more time. We've already paid it too much time. You know what else we're going to probably pay too much time to? The International Wildcard All-Star Event in Barcelona. I didn't even have this on the list, Walter. You I wanted to bring it up. You I you're, to bring it up. you have brought it up. The floor is yours. What are we and by we I mean myself and almost everybody <laughs> listening at home missing at this All-Stars event? So, you're missing out in in the lone North American player that's at this event, Evan RL in the 1v1 tournament. Uh the first match was uh, Latin American North versus the versus C, 
I think. I think it was C. Or maybe it was LJL. C. I think it was C. And uh, in his 1v1, he played lane push Nasus. He brought the cross build out. It was so happy. It was awesome. He brought out the typical ARAM Nasus. That was fun. Uh, but the, the real key moment, other than Latin America South having a very dominant game against C, which was kind of impressive and mm-hmm. has some interesting implications going forward because the top laner and the jungler are now on a team together and they had a lot of synergy. The the, the highlight of today, of, of Thursday's matches, was the very first match between Brazil and Russia. Like, my two favorites coming out of it. Big heavyweight match. Great match. And Brazil was winning. It was Revolta just going off. It was great. They were just crushing it. Brazil was rolling. Brazil was rolling. Brazil was rolling. Then it got to, like, the 22-minute mark. And all of a sudden... What does CIS do? What do the Russians do? Edward comes waving his shot calling flag. Let's do Baron, boys. They steal Baron. They end up with three Mountain Drakes, three Barons. They roll over Brazil in the last, like, 20 minutes of the game. It was fantastic. It was a, it was a clown fiesta because it was an international all-star event. So they're yeah. kind of goofing off a little bit. And, but- and for the record, I love how you found a way when we have Smurf and Kira, two guys who are on Albus Knox Luna, and did so many Baron steals. You found a way to give the credit to Edward. I love that. You somehow found a way to Listen, make this about Edward. Out, out of the LCL teams, yeah. Elvis Knox was the one that didn't sneak Baron during the LCL regular season. Yes, during Worlds, sneaking Barons at 22 minutes was like their specialty. Everyone but sneaks during Baron. The LCL, during the LCL, if, they, if you did not ward... Edward knew somehow just instinctually you didn't ward. He wouldn't even sweep the Baron pick. They'd just be at 21 minutes doing Baron, and you'd be like, you, didn't, you, didn't, you, you, still, have a, you still have a yellow trinket. What are you doing? You, you don't have a pink ward. It's like, I don't care. I know they didn't ward it. No way they warded it. And just sneak it with, like, a bard portal over it. So that was a highlight. I just wanted to bring it up because it's some League of Legends that's going on. Uh, it's mildly entertaining because there's some good players there. Like, sure. there's there's... There's a couple players where let's see how they do in spring in their respective regions, and then we might be talking a couple names might be joining Caps in the uh, in the European and North American LCSs. There's there's a couple there. Yeah, and we'll, we're going to get to that in a second. I do want to say uh, one of the things that I always find you know interesting, right? We're looking at all these players, and and there are some very talented players in here. I mean, undoubtedly, we have players that are in. The top 50 in solo queue for Korea, you know, if you look at some of these Japanese guys and the, you know, GPL guys, you're looking at, you know, CB LOL, those guys are all top 50, top 100, you know, when you look at a North American solo queue. I mean, we have a lot of very good players at this event, and we never see imports from these regions. And I think that's something that's going to change. I think at some point we're going to recognize that importing from Korea doesn't necessarily bring the same hunger that, you know, imagine Kira in the LCS, right? Imagine if someone said, Kira, you are a great mid laner. We've seen you do your thing for years (laughs) now. We want to give you a shot at the European LCS. That guy would power through. He would put his entire heart and soul into proving I am worth an import slot in this major region. And I think he could be crazy good if given the right infrastructure and the right opportunity. I think he is absolutely worth an import slot. He's not going to get one because there are plenty of Koreans and people still believe that, 
importing Koreans is the way to fix all problems. But I, I do think that at some point we're going to realize like, hey, maybe importing a talented player from a region in which this is his chance to succeed and we and he's going to put in that extra bit, that, you know, that understanding of my entire career lies upon making this opportunity work. So I'm going to put in the hours, I'm going to put in the time. And at the very least, there's going to be a lot less of a language gap between something like, say, Latin America, North or South, and Korea when it comes to, you know, a North American team or whatever else. I think we're going to get there. I don't know when. I'm not going to pretend to know when. But I think we're going to start eventually seeing some of these individuals that shine at events like this find their way into major regions. Because the just import the Korean strategy does not work or has not worked so far. But you know what looks like it might work, Walter? Importing Koreans back into Korea. That seems like it's working just fine. And I, I, I'm looking at just... The, the sheer number of players that we had originally on our list of players we were excited to talk about roster changes with. But now we're talking about three teams that just look absolutely insane. Um, the, the first one, just to get the boring one out of the way, Samsung Galaxy. They're bringing everybody back except potentially Helper. But they're bringing back the, and, and Wraith uh, has technically not re-signed yet either. But everyone that you saw on the world stage, is coming back. Walter, is this a good move, a bad move? Do you think uh, Do you think they're still going to be a top three team next year? I, I think this is a you have to continue on with the process. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't mean Joel Embiid. Um, even though he does look very good in he the does. NBA. Anyways, uh, but they've, they've gone through this for so long. We're going back all the way to when the rosters left following the world championship following the 2014 season. Kuve was the only guy that lasted. He was mm-hmm. the only guy that they kept. That's where they started their building point, and they've gradually, over time, added these other pieces. You know, mm-hmm. they brought in ambition, moving him from you know a mid position into the jungle. It's finally worked out. He finally got to worlds. One of those guys that never made it. Now that's crossed off. Now we just have to get you know score there basically. Um, but then all these other young players. Ruler was a rookie. Crown had only been around for a little while, and, and he's still a very young player. Core JJ has been playing support for a split. The fact that you get to the, the finals of Worlds and you take SKT to five games with such a young roster, you have to run it back. You have to. Of course, you could always look at all. You could look at a Sunday. You could look at a Smep. You could look at a, a Deft. You could look at a Mata and go, man, we could... Get one of these, you know, world-class players that was 100%. We already know he's been to the top, but these guys have been to the top, too, and they're younger. They're mm. cheaper. Yes. Like, I, they've played together. We don't have to worry about any chemistry issues. We already know what we're good at. We already know what our players are good at. Sure, do you have some flaws? Yeah, Kuve's got to uh, uh, fine-tune some of his, his champions a little bit better. He needs to get, you know, better in certain places. Crown. Mm-hmm absolutely has to expand his champion pool ambition i have no clue what ambition is going to look like in the new jungle now that nidalee is kind of kind of crap um and and then and then ruler young guy gotta just continue to build him up and core jj if if kiwi kid can go from top lane to support 
and do marginally better, mm-hmm. then you sure as hell can go from 80 carry to support when you've already proven that you can get to a world championship. You could do way better with you know another couple splits under your belt. So mm-hmm. I think there was no way they they couldn't run this back. I think they proved that this roster has what it takes to get to a world championship, and they were very close to knocking off one of the greatest organizations in League of Legends history. Smart move, I think, across the board. Might need to bring in a couple of subs just to keep intensity up and keep you know people on their toes about spots. Right. Um, but there's nowhere to go but up, I think, for this roster. I mean, I, that's, I understand where you're coming from on that. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think that there's a lot of room for players, especially Ruler. You know, he was someone that we pointed to by the end of the tournament as one of the most improved players from the start to the end of the tournament, just in how his positioning went and the impact he was able to have in team fights was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't subscribe to the idea that they were as close to knocking off SKT as the series score would indicate. I think SKT kind of, you know, fucked around with them a little bit in all reality, uh, just in terms of how they played that game four. And game three was just a clown fiesta where SKT had everything their way and they threw the game on some bad Baron calls. So do I think that they are a top three team in Korea? I think we're going to have to see, you know, there are a lot of rosters that are still, you know, left unfilled. I I will say that I'm surprised that they didn't pull any of their strings with their, you know, former players who were trying to find a way back and try to get them onto the roster. Because when you look at someone like Amada, who, you know, there are some rumors about him with KT, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. You know, if you look at, you know, say Deft before he had signed, or or you look at, you know, Looper, or any of these guys, even Dandy for, you know, if you really want to reach, there are guys there who have a ton of talent, who have a history with this organization, and they chose not to go that route. Which on the one hand, I mean, that says great things about their confidence in the team that they've built. But that's a lot of talent that they passed up, and it's a lot of talent that they probably could have contacted, and maybe their offer just wasn't competitive enough. Maybe they just really believe in this process. But if some of these, you know, Korean players that come back, you know, join together and make some other super team, I think it's (laughs) going to be very difficult because we're already seeing two of them. You know, the first, let's talk KT Rolster. We do not know who the support's going to be. The rumor is Mata, but that is not confirmed. So we're going to talk about the guys we do know. And what we do know is that Smeb, Score, Pawn, and Deft are going to be on the same roster. So, Walter, is that enough to convince you that this is a top two team in Korea, even without knowing the support yet? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Whenever you put that kind of talent together, Score was arguably one of the top three junglers in the world. Smeb, the best jungler, maybe the best player in the world. I don't subscribe to that notion, but a lot of people thought even despite the fact they lost to SKT, was still the best player in the world. Mm. Okay, whatever. Smeb, best AD carry in the world. He proved it at Worlds. Um, just a phenomenal player. Pawn is the big question mark to me. Mm. And, and, and of the four guys that are here, depending on the support they pick, I, have, I might have some questions about them too. But Pawn is a big question to me. He did not play a lot this year because of the back problems that he had. He's had some medical issues. Mm-hmm. And while it does make sense when you have so such hard carries in Smeb and in uh, Deft and even in Score, who has the ability to carry, and I have the same questions about Score that I do about Ambition with Nidalee kind of disappearing from the jungle meta, mm-hmm. um, Pawn just, it seems that it, mid lane is going to be very, very important uh, more important than usual in terms of 
really controlling the game, a lot of roaming, a lot of the analysts that are looking at the patches are going, it's really jungle mid-oriented. A lot of a lot of questions are going to revolve around how your mid and your jungle synergize, uh, how well they control scryer plants, how con- well they control scuttle crabs, how well they you know help each other invade and get warding and all that kind of jazz. And Pawn was decent at that when he was playing for Samsung, mm-hmm. but just so much time off and so much time in that LPL style of play. I'm a little concerned about how he specifically transfers back into LCK, how he specifically comes back and he plays against Faker, how he plays against some of these upstart mid laners that have come along. Uh, come along, I think of someone like Nikki. You know, I don't think Pawn is as mechanically good as he was back in his Samsung days. Yeah. And while I'm more than willing to, you know, eat my socks if he is like I'm, I'm not actually saying that but like I'm totally will be fine if he comes back and he knocks my socks off he is at this moment the ginormous question mark I have about this roster yeah and I, I think that's fair um you know to, I, I would say I'm not nearly as worried about score as you are uh score played a whole three games on Nidalee throughout all of the LCK summer uh including the playoffs and he went one and two on the champion. Uh, so I don't think that's anything, you know, that's out of 57 games. He played it three times. I don't think his champion pool is going to be a problem. Uh, Elise, Kindred, Gragas, Rexai, Hecarim, uh, he's put in tons of time on. He's played Lee Sin. He plays like, he, he, he's got more than enough of a champion pool. Score, I think, is going to be just fine in the new jungle. Uh, I am worried about Pawn. I, I just think even if you. Just look at it from an injury history perspective. We've seen very few players have injuries like that across all of esports and then come back and be 100% of what they were. Now, I don't think they would have given him this job if they had a doubt in that, uh, if they believed that his injuries were going to continue to be a problem, especially because you know they haven't announced a backup yet. Right. Uh, but the thing for me is you already had Fly, and Fly was a great mid laner. And I understand that Smeb is the best top laner in the world, but someday was quite possibly the number two best top laner in the world. And so I'm looking at these improvements, you know, and, and Deft is a huge improvement over Arrow. I'm not going to claim otherwise. Deft, Deft is Massive. awesome. If they do get, you know, someone like Amada in the support position, that's going to be a potentially massive improvement. We still have to see. We don't know that yet. But is Pawn an improvement over Fly? I don't know. Even if Pawn returns to form, it's not going to be by much because Fly was really good last split. And, you know, is Smeb going to be an improvement over someday? Sure. Is he going yeah. to be a massive improvement? I don't think so. I think someday was already incredibly good, especially in, in some particular metas. You know, there was an argument, you know, if you go back to even the spring of 2016, you could have made a good argument that someday was better than Smeb. This is a very new thing for Smeb to be seen with this strong of a critical eye. And maybe he'll continue that path, but it's very possible that he falls off a little bit. Meanwhile, Someday's been one of the most consistently great top laners in LCK history. So even if Smeb is an improvement, I'm not sure how much of one. And to me, that's one of those things where I look at it and go, okay, so, you know, is it such a huge improvement that they're going to be you know, like the team to beat. And I I don't think so. I'm not of that camp. But I think that this was the third best team in Korea last uh, last split. 
I think I still think even despite Samsung Galaxy making it to the finals, I think Sam- KT Rolster was the better team in all but that one series against Samsung, which is the only series that matters. Hey, you got you got to show But up outside of that, yeah. You, you got to, and that's on them. But for every other point of the year, I would have said KT Rolster was the better team. I agree. And yeah. I think that if they are that team and 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 I am correct in that assumption, I think I'm not the only one to feel that way. You don't need to make some monumental step forward. You just need little steps forward. And Deft is a massive step forward. Smeb is probably a small step forward. And as long as Pawn isn't a sizable step backwards, this team's going to be looking really good. And I think they have the potential to be a top two team, undoubtedly. But the once in future kings of the LCK say, screw you and your rebuild, KT Rolster. <laughs> screw all your star power. Why don't we get... You know that player where Faker literally wrote in the Players' Tribune article how it made him mad that this player was getting cheers when he was doing so much? Well, guess what? Peanut's now Faker's bitch, so Faker doesn't have to have any problems (laughs) with who's going to be the one getting cheered for. This is just fine. It'll be SKT cheers. He won't care anymore. That's one less thing for Faker to worry about. He gets to play with the best jungler in the world right now. And Blank is still around as a backup. We still don't know what that's going to look like, but he's still there. And as of this moment in the recording, Huni is confirmed to be their top laner. So that is a thing, uh, which is, I, I think, the most interesting part of this. I mean, we could talk about Taehoon coming in as a uh, as a backup support to Wolf and what that means. But in all reality, Huni, man. Huni and Profit. What? Is this top lane? I mean, how how is this going to affect the kind of dynamics that we've seen from SKT? I I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Obscurica who who said this is either going to be the most amorphous, adjustable roster in League of Legends history, or it's going to be the most brilliant disaster. <laughs> And I'm more of the former of Mm -hmm. the adaptability, the unpredictability, the just sheer depth Mm -hmm. that this roster is going to be able to bring to champion select and to, uh, you know, sustaining through metas. SKT has had a problem when meta shifts. Mm -hmm. They have a problem the first couple weeks of really nailing down what's good. And usually their success is they get lucky. They're playing against a weaker team and they just kind of use their sheer talent to kind of push through those two weeks until they really solidify what they want to do in a meta Mm -hmm. you have a ton of flexibility this is literally this roster the second huni was kind of sourced here the second jacob wolf reported huni was going to sign there earlier today uh being thursday december 1st i immediately went and thought god this reminds me of milwaukee bucks Let's just put a bunch of guys that are all like six seven with seven foot wingspans out on the court. They could just switch off or Golden State Warriors for people that want a more like non hipster pick. Like I was gonna say, like we're comparing three time champion to the Milwaukee Bucks. I just want to point that out Yo, to you. That that's what is you went Giannis for. Antetokounmpo. I have no other comparisons. Anyways, but just amorphous. They could do anything. You could probably put any one of these players into any. Okay, you can't actually do that. But the point still stands. Really flexible. A lot of depth that they bring in champion pools. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Lucian top. Like, who knows? Maybe maybe Huni will just like, be like, I want to play Lucian top. And then Kakoma will smack him in the back of the head, Jethro Gibbs style, and say, no, Maokai. At the very least, if they do end up winning their fourth championship, uh, I think it is imperative that Huni asks for Lucian as his skin. 
I think that's the number one most important thing <laughs> that could possibly come from this move. If I just Baker want doesn't get Ari. He's not getting Lucian Top. I still can't believe he doesn't get Ari. I mean, we're still waiting to hear what he's going to get. But it's three times. Give him, give him his Ari. But look, I, I mean, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think the versatility is huge. I, I think that the comparison I'd make is: what if you had LeBron James, which is Faker? Because let let's face it, Faker in two thousand in two thousand fifteen did this incredible thing where he let Marin carry a lot of games. You know what Faker's gold share in that year was? The year, the second championship? 15%. That's insane. That's mind-boggling. And he was still the best player on the Rift. So if you have to worry about, oh, but Hooney's going to need more resources. What? I think Marin was the best player on the Rift during that. There's a reason uh, he won the tournament MVP. I mean, he... He won MVP, but that team is not the same team without Faker. The thing is, Absolutely. Faker being there gave Marin the ability to do so many wonderful things. And I think the same thing's going to be true of Hooney, because Hooney is someone who can be very feast or famine at times. That's been the big criticism of him. But how are you going to pin Hooney down when doing so means you give Faker free time to roam? Or you give Faker free time to steal jungle camps? Or you give Faker free time to do literally anything you want? And by the way, you have Peanut coming in. So this is essentially, like, you have LeBron James, let's say Kevin Durant, and with Hooney you have uh, Westbrook, essentially. That's the team that we've that's created That's a great now. comparison, actually. That is, that's the team we're at. And, and I Peanut, gotta... Peanut is Russell Westbrook. Hooney is Russell Westbrook. And look, I don't, I don't think... Only I think th- Peanut isn't. Peanut's not Durant. Peanut, I mean, Peanut's not Durant either, though, because Durant's a pretty like all-around player, and Peanut, I feel, is like <sighs> Peanut. I feel is like two, it's like having two Russell Westbrooks on your team. <laughs> sure, that's fine. Two Russell Westbrooks, Brooks and LeBron, and it, yeah. So whichever one of them gets hot, that's the one you go with, and you yeah. still have LeBron James to assist that way. This is going to be such a fun team to watch. Like, and it, yet. And, I think KT wins spring. Yeah, well, that's because you're a crazy person, but that's fine. No, because I think SKT You is don't even s- know who the support is yet. I, but see, here's the thing. I think SKT is going to spend spring experimenting, just like they did with Easy Hoon when they had that roster. Unlike I think KT roster that has at least three new players that all need to figure out how to play together. I honestly think that SKT is going to spend the spring experimenting with Profit, experimenting with Hooney, experimenting with Blank, experimenting with Peanut, experimenting with Wolf, experimenting with Taehoon, figure out which Ross they want. Because they don't care about a spring championship. A spring championship would be great. They care about It'd every fantastic. championship. fantastic. It'd be wonderful. Kakoma K- comes from the school of Popovich. He knows the only thing that matters is that ring at the end of the year. Let's right. be honest here. I, that's, Let's be honest. I'll say this. I think that they might not be the first place team in the regular season. I think they will win the championship. That's, that's almost a definite. I would almost put money that they would not be the first place team at the end of the spring. But by the championship, like he says, the ring is what matters. They don't want to be runners up ever for any reason. Baker does not like that. He he was, you know, any anytime they have not been an MSI uh, they were seething, and the fact that you know they were they weren't the number one team coming out of Korea, they felt like they you know, people were underestimating them. They took that personally. I just I do not see the world in which Fakers, uh, you know, this team does not come out guns blazing when the spring playoffs come around. But we'll, but you know what? Time will tell. This KT roster, roster roster. I want to see who the support is before I I make any definitive claims in any direction because. 
we don't know. And if they don't get a great support, then we might feel very differently about how good that bot lane could be. Uh, we could talk about North America in theory, but the only thing that's really been confirmed is that uh, everyone that used to be on Apex did oh, transfer no, over to Dignitas. We're going to say something. Let's do Europe because then I have, to, I have to say something after Europe because that'll transition us into something else. Because there's been a, an announcement. There's actually been two quick announcements. But one that's really important to one of the other topics we're going to discuss. Since we started podcasting? Since we started podcasting. But let's talk about Europe first. Don't you look it up. I'm not looking up anything. This is the fun part about being the host and also being the one that cares enough about our viewers to make sure I'm 100% engaged in the product we're creating. No big deal, though. Just keep browsing. I mean, look, this is this is the thing about our podcast. We have breaking news to a medium that won't come out for at least like 12 or 14 hours <laughs> after we record it. It's the best kind of breaking news. But yeah, let's talk about it. Um, I, I think the first thing we should talk about are the teams that are running it back. Uh, and that would be Splice and G2. They are running back the full roster. Everything's signed. Everything's confirmed. You know, Splice, they gave all of them a chance to go. They gave all of them a chance to field offers. They fielded all the offers. Supposedly, some of these guys could have gotten more money elsewhere. They all came back. Yamato Cannon had the same opportunity. Yamato Cannon came back. What do we think about this Splice team? Just really quick, because it's the same team. So give me, give me your your sixty seconds. See, Splice, I sort of feel like the same way that I did about um, about Samsung, but to a lesser extent. Um, I think they definitely could have made improvements in certain positions. Mm-hmm. Um, AD carry, granted, Kabe had a breakout season. Still, you could have upgraded that bot lane. I think. Yeah. Um, other than that. I mean, it's about competing in Europe, and this roster can definitely compete in Europe. Maintaining uh, Wonder is a massive, massive boost for that organization. Yeah, for sure. Um, he definitely had the most market value, and that's why he was the last guy to sign. Yeah, he had the you know the most options. He had the most places that he could look for for money. And in the end, there's a reason those players wanted to resign with Splice. And I think that the ownership, I think Marty, and I think the general construction of the organization probably is what it came down to it seems like a really great place to play and uh everything i've heard about marty is that they have very very reasonable goals Mm -hmm. they understand that they aren't going to win a world championship on their first year in so they maintain very reasonable goals and uh again like i think they can definitely improve as long as things like Kabi's transition from spring to summer isn't an aberration we've seen two forms of Kabi now we've seen Really kind of poor Kabe that we saw in the spring, and we saw really good Kabe. Now, is that just because of the champion meta? Is that what made this change? Was it simply just replacing uh, Nisbeth with Mickey? Like, I, I don't know what that was yet, but as long as those types of improvements stick and aren't the aberration, again, this roster can continue to grow and really has nowhere to go but up. <laughs> I mean, that's... I- I mean, nowhere to go but up, I'm not sure I completely agree with. Because yeah. they finished second in the split. That's hard to do again. And I think that, uh, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, is Trashy going to be as dominant as he was in the summer? Is, you know, Kabi going to be as dominant as he was? Is Mickey going to continue to be as good of a support? I don't have the answer to these questions. I'm, I just have to point out that this is a team that was, you know, a couple games away from relegation less than a year ago. 
and now they're so confident they're running it all back. And and to me, that says a lot about the organization. I think you're right in pointing out that Marty's done a good job, not only with this team, but with all of the different teams that that organization has. Uh, I love the move they just made. I think they signed Solar in StarCraft. That made me very happy. Um, I will say this, uh, just from a selfish point of view. I would have loved to see Steel back on this team. This team is a thousand percent more fun for me to root for if it's uh, if Steelback is on there. It just it just is more fun. Like I don't want to see Steelback waste away on this Vitality roster that he signed to when no one else was confirmed, and we still have no idea what it's going to look like. Like Who it knows? makes it it just keeps making me sad every time Who I see is. that as as signed in. Steelback, buddy, we need to get you a better agent. But that's G two thirty seconds. How do we feel about them running it back? Ocelot, please go sign someday. Please go sign someday. That would be great. Please go sign someday. Please. Does does someday like enough scarves to, to peak Ocelot's interest? Go upgrade expect. Please, God, go upgrade expect. I know he wasn't the problem with the world championships. I know he wasn't the problem at the world championships. Get perks, as many self-help books as he possibly needs. Like, I don't care as long as he doesn't join some weird cult. Like, I I I don't like running this back. I think they needed to make a mid lane and a top lane change. Perks, yeah. I like the kid. I like the attitude. He's the one that's choking on the international stage. Yeah. Both times, it's been him. Granted, Trick didn't play all that great in the first four no. games. Of the- he, he did, did not, not look, look good. But part of that, I think, part of that problem, I think, was that look at the teams that were successful. They had really good mid lane jungle synergy. Look at TSM. When they were successful, it was because Svenskaren and Bjergsen were. Two peas in a pod, styling on kids, you know, setting up Lee Sin and Cassiopeia game. There was none of that with Tricks and Perks. Uh, and I think it was Perks' fault, not Trick. I really, truly think that it was Perks' fault. And just expect, I, there's better players than expect out there. There are. You can go get a better player than expect. He's, he's a stopgap that you had on your roster because you thought he was okay because Trick wanted someone. And Kickus didn't want a timeshare. So you used your stopgap for the World Championship. Go find somebody else. Um, I'm not excited about this. I don't think this roster is the best team in Europe come uh, come spring. I think they're going to have some issues. And they're really going to waste Zven and Mithy's talent, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's tough for me to get on board with this team just because I don't think Expect is a particularly amazing player in any, in any regard. Nope. Um, <laughs> I, I think he'll be fine. I think a lot of these guys are fine. I'm higher on Perks than you are. I, I was very high on him heading into Worlds. I think that, you know, we saw the Facebook post that he released um, a couple weeks back. And I thought he was very, he showed a lot of awareness, I think is the best way to put it, as to why things went wrong. You know, he was very cocky heading into the, you know, MSI, and he admit to that. And then he admit that when, you know, something went wrong on the world stage. It just hit him after that game one and it just sent him into the spiral. And I think those are both things that we should expect from someone as young as he is. I mean, it's one of those things where no one likes to, to bring this up. He's 18 years old. He's 18 years old. He, The guy is a child, essentially. Like, I, And I say that as only being 24. But, you know, <laughs> the, look, it is very Your hard babies. to balance all of the emotions that come with that. And... I totally understand why he had a hard time, but that doesn't define his career. I would say this. If Perks had left, if they had gotten rid of him, whoever he signed with, I would have said got a steal. 
because Perks is going to be at his lowest value that he's ever going to be at, given how he performed at Worlds. And I think the guy absolutely can be a star player. There's a reason G2 won Europe back-to-back splits. And it's not just because Europe had a weak summer split, which it did, regardless of what happened with H2K. It was a weaker European split than we've been accustomed to. I'm, that's true, but it is and they hard. Won it. I mean, but they won twice, and that's really hard to do. And Perks looked really good throughout all of the regional competition. And now he's had some international experience. And at 18, that's invaluable. That's a guy that I believe is going to grow into himself. It's. I just think Expect is topped off. That's the difference I have. I, I have yeah, problems I, with Expect and, and Trick, man. I mean, look, there's a reason CJ Antis didn't see him as the future back in the day. I don't know which version Two-time of Two-time European get. MVP. I... Yeah, I mean, sure. But this, yeah. is, this is the you, thing, you just, right? You just make that point about Perks, though, about them winning twice with Perks. Oh, let's not let this yeah. define him. But then we're saying the but, opposite about Trick, but he only played seven games in the LCK. Like, Here's the difference. Perks is, is 18 years old. Trick is older than that. I don't know how old because esports wikis has let me down and doesn't have an age here. <laughs> but I know he's not... 18 years old because he's been playing since 2014 and when you've been playing since 2014 you've had three years to develop your skills on a professional level and i don't see an 18 year old can curve up he can improve he's young he's very moldable and clearly the staff has done something right with his development even if he's had problems on the international stage it's been secluded to that area Trick is a great player, but is he going to continue to get better at year four? I'm not so sure. It's not to say he's not a great player. He had an amazing 2016. But is he going to continue to be that good? <laughs> Two-time MVP. I Sure. I, I but, don't know. But then in that case, and then in that case G2, I mean, that's why that's G2's argument. They brought everyone back for that reason. And I, and I, I am just trying there to we find, go. I'm not, I am just trying to predict like what could go wrong bringing this whole thing back. And I don't think the answer is going to be perks because I think he's going to curve up. I think expect could be an issue, but we don't think he was the problem anyway. I think a lot of weight is being put on trick right now. And he's been around for a little bit longer. That's the only way I see this turning wrong. I still think G2 should be the favorites to win Europe. I, 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 I say all of this saying I believe Not at the end of the day. seven of the other roster. Yeah, but I don't care. I mean, I think these are, the, these are among the best players in Europe no matter what. I think Sven Mithy is the best bot lane that Europe's going to come up with. I think Unless there's some huge amount of imports that's going to come together. Yeah. I think the trick is a two-time European MVP, and while I brought up a little bit of skepticism, that's playing devil's advocate. I think the trick is amazing. I think trick's going to do plenty well in the next split, and I think Perks is going to just continue to get better from where he is. So I think G2 are the favorites unless something crazy comes around. Perks Perks didn't play well in the summer finals. He laid an egg on Worlds. He's laid an egg at MSI. They're not going to go to Gyeonggi to... I, that's the problem is there's a stink of two really, really poor international performances on Perks. And I totally agree with, I think it was Dexter who said it, they should go there. They should go to Young. Oh, they should have gone to Young. They can, they can play on the international stage just for the fans, just for themselves, just for whoever. I think they're really, really letting an opportunity pass themselves by and yeah. you know, whatever they want to give them vacation. Fine. Who cares? But I just disagree with, with not going to Young, even though it's kind of a worthless tournament. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think Ocelot made a mistake because I think Perks needs international reps. I think Perk needs as re- many reps as he can get. I just have a lot more confidence in you that I, I think being able to perform on the big stage is something that comes with experience. We have seen young teams time and time again, whether they get more experience under their belt, perform better. Samsung got significantly better as Worlds went on. The difference between Samsung Week 1 and Samsung Week 2 and Samsung by the time we got to the end of the, the bracket stage of Worlds those were all huge steps forward. And I have more faith in Perks doing that than you do. But either way, I think G2 are the proverbial favorites unless something crazy happens. And Fnatic did something crazy, but not in a way that makes me feel like they're going to be threats for the title. I Just to, to read out the roster, we have Soaz, the guy who holds the record for uh, most conversations we've had in this podcast about whether he should retire or not. We have Kikis is around. I, 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 you know, he's right now being named the starter of their academy team, which is amazing to me because with the absolute lack of depth in the top lane position, how is Kikis not starting somewhere in Europe? Because there are not a lot of good top laners in Europe. Uh, and that just seems like a mistake to me, but that's what they're doing. They have amazing as the jungler. We all saw how well that went with Origin last split. Uh, Caps is the mid laner who I am actually excited by as a young gun, but I think he's something he's going to be a work in progress. Reckless is there. That's good. And then Jezz. Jezz is a name we're still talking about in competitive League of Legends in 2017. Yeah, that disdain in your voice for Jezz. I I, I don't know how warranted. I, I, I think that is one of the silliest signings I've seen in a while. Jezza should not be anywhere near an LCS roster. Shouldn't happen. It's unimaginable to me. Support in a competitive environment. He can't. The guy's been a coach for over a year. The guy yeah. hasn't played competitively in over a year, and he wasn't good when he played competitively last time. He's, what in the world? He still maintains a challenger rank, went to Korea, got into top 50 in Korea on challenger. Congrats. I'm, as soon as solo queue gives, means a sh- you know something, I'll, I'll care. But every time we, we have not seen him in competitive in a year, and the year we saw him before that in competitive, I'm treating terrible. him as a rookie. I don't know what you we're going to get You can't treat him as a rookie. Jesus. He's been playing since 2013. That's I don't insane. Know, but that's the thing. He didn't play last year at all, and he is in a completely new position. So I have to look at go... I know nothing about what Jezz is going to be like as a support player. I have to go into this with a completely blank slate. Yes, he was a okay mid laner for SK. Then he went to Coast. He got shafted by the Slanimals and spent a year coaching in multiple locations, including being an analyst at Immortals. I've got to go into this and say there's a reason Fnatic picked him to be their support. I'm going to see what he does. If after two weeks he looks terrible, he looks out of place, fine. We can have this, oh, Jez's, oh, God, argument. But we don't know what we're going to get. We have zero clue. We, we have, have zero clue. We have experience of he him played playing as a support. He played support. When? Back in 2014. Are you serious? Back you know, before he was a mid laner for SK and Yes, he Coast? played support for G2 in 2015. And he went back when they were a challenger team and he played support for Team Dignitas. And he played at, at a single tournament in which he was so bad they chose not to keep him. He's played support before. He was bad at it. Support. He played support uh, for Gamers 2 from 2015 to uh, June to August 2015. He was bad. He was really bad. And that's, look, again, it's been a year. 
but I think a year of rust does not make me more optimistic for his professional chances. I I don't like this. I really don't. It it seems like, especially because, and I'm going to admit to being biased in this regard, because uh, Cly was a good friend of a lot of the guys that were on my own team, and uh, and we scrimmed against Cly before in the past, uh, and I've you know I've seen Cly in, in solo queue quite a bit because as I was watching my players scrim in solo queue, you know they duo queued together quite a bit. I th- I would take Cly over Jezus every time, hundred percent, no doubt in my mind. Because Cly has upside. He's a young guy. He needs experience. He needs reps. What? How? How far is this team gonna go with Soaz and Amazing? Like, like this is not a championship-winning team. This is a team that is building Coming a up. lot of brand recognition, and they have a Fnatic Academy team that, given what we're about to talk with the Challenger scene, is is clearly designed to develop talent that will eventually replace some of these guys in the summer. And, and they're just roster. trying to figure out who it is. The, the Soaz and Amazing additions to me is to sell merchandise. Yeah. It is to sell their gear, which is totally fine. But, I mean, I don't know how much of Soaz and Amazing to blame Origin on Soaz and Amazing because at times in that dumpster fire, Soaz and Amazing looked okay. They looked passable. There were times, there were three or four weeks where both of them looked passable. Yeah. You have to say that. Granted, that, that is that is not what Fnatic fans want to hear right now. I understand that they're mad at me for the Jez's point, but the, hearing that two of the players that they brought in are passable uh, did not Look make them the feel any better. Though that were in the LCS last year, let, let let's play a name game real quick. Let's sure. do a name game. Real let's quick. play a name game real quick. I'm going to go through all the top laners that were in Europe last year. Sure, and you can tell me who you'd rather have, so as or them. Got it. So, so as or expect. So as. Smitty J or Soaz? Soaz. Oduamne or Soaz? Oduamne. Fine. Alfare or Alfare. That's totally okay. Uh, Parang or Soaz? <laughs> I'd rather have a monkey over Parang. I would rather <laughs> actually sit a gorilla down at a computer. Wonder. Wonder or Soaz? Wonder. I'm going to take Wonder. I'm going to take Cabochard. I'm going to take Visit Chachi. I'm Steve gonna or Soaz? I'm going to take Steve. And I'm going to take Kickas too for the record. Yeah, for the record. I, I think Kickus and so I, I would take Kaze. I would take Kaze over. Oh no, Kaze has upside. What so has his upside? What he's not getting better at this point. Like there's no, there's nothing left for him to so learn. Soaz is that he almost single handedly hard carried them to the semifinals of the World Championship last year in uh, 2015. We're gonna pretend because that Sven and Mithy were not. He was great at Gangplank and Fiora. Sure, over a year ago. And Sven and Mithy were helping out quite a bit in drawing yeah, attention no, away from were, the top lane. They were great there too. I'm just so, saying so th- he is not this complete. Him and Amazing are not this absolute dearth of talent. No, they're not a dearth of talent. Stuff. They're a playoff You're team. Correct. They're a playoff the team. Academy team is going to be great. They're going to bring Broxus. They're going to bring Kickus up. They're going to you know use those players. Kickus is on that roster just like Mr. Rawls is on that roster to be a veteran presence to just have some backups in case something doesn't work out. Uh, with with Soaz and he goes off and starts playing like a monkey. I I don't know, but it, it's to have veteran talent on that roster to help out the youngsters. But you're completely right that that roster is for youngsters. But I think you're incorrect to just act like Soaz and Amazing are the worst players ever. And oh, they they're sh- not the worst. Look, I'm comparing compared to Fnatic and Fnatic's goal they set for themselves every year since they've been in the European LCS mm-hmm. is to win the European LCS. Yeah, last split was the first time that they weren't playing in the finals in God knows how long. Yep, that is true. This is not a finals team. 
And that's okay. They don't have to be in the spring split. I think if they're lucky and Caps turns out to be as good as I think he is, and I think Caps is going to be great for the record. I've said nothing but negative things so far, but I think Caps is going to be great. I think Reckless is going to continue to be a very good player. Um, you know, we, we know that if something goes terribly wrong with Soaz or Amazing, they can pull the trigger and switch. This is one of the benefits that people brought up of the challenger change we're about to talk about, that 10-man rosters are more feasible now, and we can see changes if things really go wrong. I, I'm just holding Fnatic to a different standard. Are they better than a lot of the teams we're likely to see from Europe? Of course they are. Of course they are. They still have Reckless. They have a lot of veteran talent, a lot of guys with experience in the game. Soaz is going to have his two or three miracle escapes every, you know, throughout the season. He's going to have a couple good hard carry games. Amazing is not as good as Spirit was, but I think he does his job in assisting his solo laners well. So if you think Caps is going to be good, and I do, I think Fnatic's going to be just fine. Even if I think Jez's is not something to be excited about in any way shape or form but i do think that if you're planning for the future i don't think so as or amazing are a part of that future i don't think that by summer of 2017 we're looking at so as an amazing as starters on the fanatic roster and I to me that's where i look at it and i'm like look if you're not gonna win anyway because you're not gonna win in the spring i don't think this team is spring ready regardless of what combination of the 10 guys they signed or come out to the to the rift I would get the young guys reps on the LCS stage. I I would I mean obviously the reason you have a team like Fnatic Academy is to give them reps on a less dangerous stage, but I I don't know. I I'd rather I'd rather see Clyde than Jez's or I'd rather see uh you know if we want to if we want to give, you know, Broxa a chance, I'd love to see Broxa out there. I mean the guy's supposedly a really good challenger jungler. He has upside whereas I don't know what Amazing's upside is. And and again, maybe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being harsh because of how bad of a dumpster fire Origin was, but the number one phrase that we said when we talked about Amazing Last Split is, Amazing looks lost. That was how we described Amazing. He looked lost. He looked confused. He didn't know where to gank. He didn't understand how to best use the resources available to him. And now that we have a new jungler where pathing is so much more important than you know, some of these early ganks are going to be. That's a huge concern to me. I don't think this new jungler lends itself, this new jungle lends itself to amazing at all. I don't, you know, I don't know if Soaz has it in him to be the guy they're going to need him to be in this situation. It takes some pressure off of Caps, who's going to be very young. And I don't have a lot of faith in Jezus. But I still think this is a top four team, at least given what I think the rest of the rosters are going to look like. Given the talent that is currently... Going around free agency, I still think this is going to be a good team. I hope the Fanatic fans listen long enough so that I don't get too much hate mail. <laughs> I'm just, I'm seeing the potential negatives, and this is not a team that excites me. I think the Fanatic is an organization I would have expected more. But you know what? This is what happens when they say we don't want to import Koreans. They wanted sure. a full European roster. They have a full European roster. We'll see. Speaking of importing Koreans. Oh. Two pieces of news that have broken while we've been recording this podcast on December 1st in the late hours of Monday, of Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday night. Wow. Um, it's late. Going it's, strong. It's, yeah, it's like 11 o'clock at night right now. Uh, two announcements. First, you were saying Dignitas maintaining their entire roster. This just in from 
Dignitas Ray. He will no longer be playing with Dignitas. Well, there you go. See, this is why we didn't talk about NA. There we go. That's why I didn't talk about NA. And even more breaking news out of the Yahoo Esports newsroom after an interview with Rick Fox, owner of Team Echo Fox in the North American LCS. It has been confirmed. Looper has signed with Echo Fox. Oh, my Looper has signed with Echo Fox. And no longer will the mech be with its warrior. Mata and Looper break up. And Looper now has to succeed without Mata in ways that he did not succeed on Masters 3. The picture that you're now seeing on your screen that Chase cannot see is from the Echo Fox Twitter with Looper doing bunny ears behind Froggen's head while Froggen is obviously practicing uh, in solo queue. So Looper to Echo Fox. Which now brings us to our next topic, right? I right. mean, the the obvious... Well, the good news is I was about to go into one topic with a natural segue, and now you've steered me into another one. Exactly. But I, I, I just find it... um, it, it is interesting, you know, this this looper signing. I, I, I'm not sure what that means for Echo Fox in the long run. Obviously, we need to see the rest of the pieces. Sure. But we can't focus on anything that Echo Fox did because right now we have to wait for a competitive ruling to come down because they have been accused of trying to poach Adrian from Phoenix One after Adrian's contract had already been signed and it had been cleared and made clear to the rest of the league. Um, You know, how much of those allegations are true? It's hard to say right now. We don't have a ton of information outside of what uh, ESPN and some other places have reported. Uh, I feel pretty strongly just based on the number of reports we've seen and the people who are making these calls and who are publishing these things that this did likely happen, uh, whether it was malice or incompetence, it's hard to say, you know, Rick Fox has obviously painted a very positive, uh, public image for himself in a lot of different ways. He does not strike me as someone, uh, that, you know, would do this maliciously, but of course that's what you'd want someone to think if you were going to pull a malicious move. So, (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, Walter, assuming that this is true, and, and we have to go with that assumption until proven otherwise, uh, what does this mean, and what can we expect Riot to do about it? See, the problem is, and I want to bring up, Kelsey Moser did an excellent vlog today about skepticism, and that we need yeah. to be skeptical. She says of everything. She she even blatantly says, I'm you know always pushing Jacob Wolf's reports, because he does great work, but... You have every right to be skeptical of him, even when he has a 90-plus percent rate and had to put a spreadsheet out. You deserve to be skeptical of everything, and that should be in life. You Mm -hmm. should be skeptical of pretty much anything until it proves, you know, one way or the other. Um, That being said, I am very skeptical about this, uh, despite the fervor of the reports and the very firm kind of language behind them, because it just feels fishy to me. It feels very weird that the owners would come out and say, a source says that Echo Fox has been given permission to poach, basically, by Riot for being the only team not to sign that letter. It seems very weird that once that's out in the Aether, Echo Fox would then go and do it. And if it is the case, if they do go and do it, and the source is correct that Riot is not is not going to punish them immediately or is looking into it or is dragging their heels or is doing whatever Mm -hmm. is investigating whatever. It's just, it feels so hanky to me because it feels so much like 
the original Chris Badawi smear campaign with the Travis interviews. Mm. In the end, Chris Badawi turned out to be a semi-bad guy that did not deserve to be involved in League of Legends and in the esports scene. I'm okay with that. The proof came out. Fine. He was a bad guy. He doesn't deserve to be in there. But this just gives me shades and has this lingering doubt of Rick Fox is the only guy that didn't sign that letter. If it was me and all the other owners in the LCS are like, Rick, dude, we're signing this letter. Even if I don't agree with what's in the letter, I almost have to. I almost have to go, I don't want to be in the middle of this. I don't want to be the one guy in the middle of Riot and the owner's bitching and moaning at each other i i gotta go with the rest of the owners and that's just my thought process and he didn't so this does i have that conspiracy twinge in the back of my head that this is a hit job this is them all right you know what screw it you don't want to side with us you're obviously on their side we're at war here we have some problems going into this we're gonna bury you and 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 someone told me that rick fox is not a very liked owner at this moment and that the the teams refusing to scrim them is a very real possibility. It just it feels so weird. It feels so fishy. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, it, it, here's the thing, right? It it makes sense if you were in literally any other sports industry, right? Because no one has the same kind of poaching rules that we're seeing. You know it, it, that riot continues to put th- forth. You know this is something where you know one of the things we brought up with Bottaway back when that original investigation was going on is why are the poaching rules so archaic? Why are they so specific in how they handle things? And it could be very possible that the rule that he broke was one that the majority of people might not necessarily agree with. I'm you know it's it's hard to say. I. You know, in, in my personal opinion, I think that as much as I would love for this to be false, I think that there is a very us versus them mentality, and that goes both ways. And if I'm Rick Fox, you know, maybe I'm not kept in the loop as quickly as all the other owners are. Maybe I'm not told when people are signed quite as quickly as other people are. Maybe. I'm just trying to put together the best team possible, and I, I told somebody to go send this offer out, and the you know the timing just happened to be a little bit past when the official release went out, and he didn't get to them in time. I mean, there's so many things it could be, from malice to incompetence to fear-mongering, as you pointed out. I mean, any of these things could be true. But I will say this. I think that the way the poaching rules are written, my guess is... Every single team in the LCS has at some point broken some aspect of the poaching rule. The way it's written, it's almost impossible not to and have some of the signings come out the way that they have. And I think the difference is who we decide to call out on it and who we decide to punish for it. And that's where I think a lot of the conspiracy stuff you talked about came in because when he didn't sign that letter, and I will never know why he didn't sign it, because he is in favor of franchising. He's open on that. People that tried to make him one of the good guy owners, as the meme goes, uh, and say that he wasn't going to try yeah. to franchise things. That's just bullshit. He absolutely wants to franchise things. I don't know what else was in that letter he didn't agree with. I have no idea. Maybe he wasn't even approached for that letter. It's impossible to know, I don't know. what happened behind those closed doors. And it's impossible to know if they're going after him because he truly did something you know, absolutely despicable, or if he just nudged the rules a little bit and, you know, in a way that basically everyone does, but he's now target number one. 
Either yeah. way, it doesn't make sense for these nine teams to make a claim out of nowhere. It just doesn't. Because if he's pro- if he's exonerated, right? If Riot mm-hmm. if Riot does an investigation and proves that they he absolutely did not do the thing. No one from Echo right. Fox did any tampering. That will blow up in their face. So I do not know why any team would be releasing this information or throwing this accusation out there unless there was merit to it. And that's why I believe that something happened. Whether it was malice, whether it was incompetence, whether it was, you know, just a sheer misunderstanding of some technicality within the rule. I don't know what it was. But see, I just logically thinking it out, I do not see the circumstance in which this is entirely made up out of nowhere. There is no merit to it whatsoever. I do not see that universe as a likely one because the cost, if it were to blow up in your face and there really was nothing there, I mean, that's the worst thing you can do from a PR perspective because all you're going to do is turn Rick Fox, the guy you hate, into this champion of the people, someone who is being attacked on all sides. You that Reddit was doing anyways. That Reddit was, that Reddit was willing to do anyways. And, and you could say the timing of when they released that was suspicious, and that's, that is true. But the snap back to it, if it was truly made out of nothing, is so much worse than finding something else that he would eventually do later because of yeah. how finicky the rules are. So I am of the opinion that something probably happened. I, I hope it's not as bad as, as some rumors make it out to be. I get the feeling it'll, you know, it'll be something that can be dealt with with a fine and a warning but there is this kind of alienation that we saw and we saw it happen with Renegades even the first time around before we were talking about lifetime bans for anybody. And I think we're seeing it again where there's just this idea of you play by our rules or the second that we get the opportunity, we're going to come at you with our old boys club. And in the long run, Walter... Like, is that something that worries you? Because that's something like when I look at potential investors and putting money into the scene, if I see the attacks on Rick Fox that I'm seeing right now, that really concerns me about getting invested. Riot has so many things that they need to fix to, you know, make ease of potential investors. Uh, I think franchising is a a large step that is necessary. I think increasing the amount of revenue that teams are going to be receiving through what we're going to talk about in a little bit, through merchandise sales, through ticket sales, through in-game current in-game kind of stuff. Like I there are so many things that Riot needs to fix that yes, while these attacks are kind of concerning, you look at something like Tom Brady, Deflategate. Everyone was attacking Robert Kraft, but that's because he's protecting his player, he's protecting his brand. These types of things happen, and there's always some sort of schism among ownership groups. When you have multiple people that all want their own piece of the pie and all want things their way, it very famously, Ralph Wilson Jr. and Al Davis, you know, original guys, original AFL guys that truly helped build the NFL into what it is today after the AFL and the NFL merger, were notorious for being against certain changes and being very harsh in terms of what they wanted and voting against a lot of rule changes. It's going to happen anyways. People that are involved in sports know that there's going to be you know, schisms and infighting among owners. It's just that it's never very public. Yes. And that's the problem here is that 
this is a war. Whether Rick Fox wants to admit it, he is in the middle, he's in the crossfire of a war that is going on between Riot Games and the other 18 owners in the LCS currently. That letter does not get written if the owners are happy. That letter does not get leaked if Riot is actually working on those types of requests and is giving good reasoning up why we don't want to do this. Okay, let's concede on this. It's a war. He got caught in the crossfire, and whether he did this or not, I'm hoping he didn't, but there is a lot of evidence saying he did, And but there has also been some circumstances in the past where owners have ganged up on another party that don't make me feel good. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is par for the course. This is what happens when people are trying to make money. You stab each other in the back on the occasion. So I don't think this issue is what would tell like tell a potential investor, oh, I want to stay out of this. I think there's way more issues that on Riot's end that they need to fix to help ease the minds of future investors. Yeah, this is not the uh, the first or last thing that is going to come up that is going to potentially hurt the uh the the brand and, and the money that they're trying to bring in for League of Legends. I mean, I think this is an esports e- wide problem as a general rule, mostly because a lot of the people involved are young. And when you have a lot of young people, that means that they're going to be a little bit more emotional, a little bit more passionate, a little bit more likely to, you know, use social media without thinking it through. You know, there are a lot of tools to to get your opinion out there very quickly at the push of a button before you have a chance to say, oh, never mind, this is a terrible idea, I shouldn't do this. Um, and, and so certainly the the publicness of this is something that is that is different from a lot of things that we've seen. I am very curious to see what the end result of this is. Like I said, I think the worst case scenario for Echo Fox is a fine and a warning. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like, you know, Adrian is going to stay uh, on Phoenix One. There was yeah. no there was no real loss here other than a breaking the rules and don't be stupid again. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the big thing that's going to come out of this is if you're Echo Fox now, uh, you have Looper and that's awesome. But you have a whole bunch of teams that don't want to work with you, whether that's fair or not. And, and that's going to be interesting. I, I think that that's something that... As things go on, there could be very much an us versus them, new owners versus old yeah. owners, which is something that we heard go on uh, earlier. I remember, you know, the the story about Odie leaving the room in anger just because of how frustrated he was at <laughs> negotiations that were going on at the time. I mean, these are the kinds of things that we could be seeing more and more of. Or, on the other hand, all of this can be washed away. Riot makes an Echo Fox thing and it becomes clear in the investigation that it either wasn't that big of a deal or wasn't a deal at all. And these North American teams all say, well, we might not like them very much, but we do like the idea of scrimming against Looper quite a bit and whatever other talent. Because Looper did not just sign on his own without a promise of some talent being around him. That just doesn't seem like a thing that he would do. So I get the feeling there's going to be more to this. I think Riot is obviously at this point, there's too much around it to stay quiet on it. Mm-hmm. So we will hear something within the next week. So I think that's going to be it for today. I know we mentioned a couple other things that we'd love to talk about, but I think the best way to do that is to take it to a part 
too, because these challenger changes and Riot's relationship <laughs> with the MLB, there's just so much going on in league right now, and we want to make sure that we give all of it the the love that it truly deserves. And you know and what else? Maybe maybe there will be some more roster announcements in the next twenty four hours. Who knows? Life is going insane. I, <laughs> literally, Looper is in North America and on Echo Fox of all teams. I'm not ruling out anything anymore. You know what else? I'm not ruling out. I'm not ruling out Rocket League, Overwatch, E-League, and the Boston Major all happening this weekend, all of which we're going to try to talk about next week. We are expanding into different esports. I actually mean that when we say it. Um, so we're gonna, I made money on E-League tonight. Yeah, congratulations. I, I'm going to focus on Rocket League and Overwatch because I think Rocket League is the most fun thing ever. But we're going to try to cover ace. all of those to a lesser extent next week. Uh, the League Stuff Part 2 is going to come out tomorrow, so you should be sure to stay tuned to all of the wonderful places we release things. Like, for example, YouTube. If you search for Rough Drafts Podcast, you'll find us. You can subscribe. It makes us very happy on the inside when you like and subscribe, so do the thing, please. We uh, gained two subscribers since the the Hearthstone, the Hearthstone. video. Yeah, shout out to you guys. Um, let's just stay by day, man, one day yep. at a time. Uh, you know, we're going to keep going with uh, soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts. Uh, that's where you can find the audio only version if you prefer to take these things on the go, though then you do miss our beautiful smiling faces. So that's, you know, <laughs> or in my in my instance, a lot of angry, disappointed faces, especially when Jezus comes up. Yeah, well, uh, don't end on that note, Walter. Don't do that to me. Uh, but we should tell people where they could find us. Uh, you can find me at Redshirt King. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And all of our podcast news can be found at Rough Drafts Pod. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have uh, plenty of live tweeting this weekend as Walter and I try to keep up with all of the insanity. And that's where we do that because those of you who don't like live tweeting can follow our accounts without having to be you know, afraid of your timeline <laughs> just being absolutely swamped. So... Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, uh, we will be back tomorrow. And until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>